Hello and welcome back to After the Smoke Clears. This is Scott. I'm Cameron. And I am your guest host, Sam. That's right. Mm-hmm. We're excited to have Sam with us today to interview, or I guess speak with, one of his friends, Esperanza. She's here with us. Uh, if you want to say hi. Hi, my name is Esperanza, and I'm very happy to be here today. We're excited to have you. Um, before we get into what we're going to talk about with her, let's quickly do our highs and lows. Does anyone want to start? Yeah, I think my, I think I have a yeah, pretty. I, I I got pretty regular highs and lows for this week, so yeah. I'll just start off by saying it. Yeah. So my high for the week is I finally was able to go in and get my chiropractor appointment. So came in good. My boy cracked me up real nice, and I don't feel in pain <laughs> anymore. Cracked you up. <laughs> Nice. It's a Sam classic. Yeah, in know, the, in right? the intro, he has to say something like this. That's amazing. <laughs> Look, he he lied he lined me up pretty good. So you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with how I feel right now. I'm not in pain. I'm not in pain anymore. Yeah, okay, my my, 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 my my low of the week is you guys judging me right now. Off, off <laughs> yeah, it's not my we, fault. We, we honestly, we ruined his week already. It's not my fault. I think yeah. it's gonna be tough for me because you know seeing Josh right behind you while we're recording is gonna get <laughs> yeah, me out. Josh is like, me up. <laughs> Every time you talk, Josh has a reaction. I'm gonna see it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway. no, my 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 real low of the week was just um yeah I'm in I'm in so I'm in school now for the next four months. And just the uh, the bus schedule is it's awful, so getting to school yeah. on time is very is very iffy. But I've been just making do with what I got so far. Yeah, can I can you... imagine it's also like pretty cold waiting for the bus and like raining almost every day. So. Honestly, no, nah, I'm like 215 pounds. I don't get cold. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He also works <laughs> okay. like outside in all weather, yeah. so I feel like he's used to that. But like oh, your yeah, commute yeah. time but wise, like how many hours a week do you spend commuting? Because feel like we mm. talked about this, it's like crazy, man. Yeah. Like you. Uh, it's a bit. It's a bit better for crazy. school right now because it's a lot easier to get to BCIT from Richmond. So right now in the morning, it roughly takes me, maybe, maybe if I'm lucky, half an hour. Okay. If I'm lucky, it takes me half an hour to get from my from my house to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, opposed to working, that was like forty minutes, but on the way back, that was an hour. For me now, on the way on the way back from school, it's it's still it's only like it's only forty minutes, so it's ten minutes extra. That's like my commute time to work as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get that. Damn. Yeah, but so I mean, being in yeah. your own car is its own. Like oh, yeah, I guess totally. you have to pay expenses for it, so that's the negative. But like being in your own car is a lot better than sitting on a bus. Oh, I totally. Like you yeah. can control music, temperature, all that. Yeah, it's it's Pretty definitely nice. a lot better than my commute to and back from and back from work mm-hmm. uh so I, I am enjoying that as well as getting to sleep in some more are you gonna get a car soon probably not with how the with how the prices of everything is like there's insurance there's gas yeah, and the prices crazy. they just keep going up like if anything i'm i think i did the math and i would be i'd be losing money having a having a car it would just wouldn't be worth it yeah i wouldn't be able really really to save up anything cars are money pits you know like yeah. it's obviously having something to like commute and get place to place is very convenient it's awesome but yeah, yeah they're fucking they're money Car, cars aren't assets unless they're like collector's editions yeah the only way if you like and then then they're not commuter cars so yeah it's yeah. like yeah i mean since i work in the industry i might be able to help you get a really cheap car yeah that would be that's good, good. So like, like if anything pops up yeah. like people around me sell cars all the time so yeah at, that's true at, at some point i do want to have to get a car though because when if i walk, work up to the point where i'm a foreman someday and or like doing like being like a project lead then yeah I, I would very much like a car yeah no of course you know what else you can do you can lease a car true. yeah yeah I, that's I, I true that's what my friend does also. and um he doesn't have to worry, worry about like uh insurance or maintenance oh nice so do they cover your maintenance you, and lease yeah I or think is it comped 
It's because you're warranty. You're under warranty for your lease, right? Your lease is usually two years, and it's a brand new car. So, so for the, the first two years, they do everything. Warranty, yeah. Wow, that is good. No, but I mean, like, you know how you can go and rent. Sorry, maybe not a lease, but rent a car. He for rents how, like, long he, term? he does man. He does monthly rentals on cars. So you just and keep he has oh, like one for a month, and he has a different cool. car every month. Oh, t- <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> but that's in Ontario, so I don't know if it's, it's different. Expensive. No, but Scott, there are benefits. I get it. Like you're not maintaining anything. You get to you know switch it up all the time. Like that's there. There's benefits. You I still can have see to that. pay like if you lease a car, you still have to pay for regular maintenance. But if anything goes really, but bad, this isn't leasing. This is literally this is like rental. monthly no, rentals. Like rentals in Vancouver is way different than Ontario. You're paying. Like, oh, okay, maybe that's why it's six hundred dollars a month. Yeah, no, in Vancouver would be crazy. For him, it's very affordable yeah. yeah it's also yeah. that i i've also kind of like done the math and everything so getting from my from my house to school and or work it's five minute difference if oh I, wow if i have a car seriously like it's not that big of a difference like i have guys who drive from the same area to mm-hmm. school and uh to work it's the same thing yeah so i'm saving like five minutes i was like okay that's cool yeah for yeah. that amount of money yeah. it's and then money. i'm paying for gas for that extra five yeah. minutes yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah that's so nice. yeah uh, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Okay. Um, I'll start with my low. My low of the week is I accidentally ripped a whole door handle off of a vehicle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what? I don't think I even told you this. But, um, <laughs> I did not know. Um, no, no. no, yeah, I, I, um, I parked a car and then I locked it and it, I guess it was like a 1999 <laughs> Honda Civic and I locked the car <laughs> and it was like a aftermarket lock so it made like a really loud like beeping noise and i was like is the car actually locked or is it not so i like tried all the handles tried the door like the driver's door didn't open i was like okay that's good and then i tried the passenger or the driver's rear door driver's side rear door and like i didn't even pull it that hard and the whole thing just came off and i was sitting there like how am I gonna tell my boss this? <laughs> like, <laughs> How did you tell your boss? I tried to put it back in. I was like, "Come on, just fit it back in there." No, I just told him, and he was like, "I was like, I didn't pull that hard. I just came right off." He was like, and he took it really well. He was like, you know, thing. Obviously, you didn't try to pull it off. Like mistakes happen. We'll just tell the customer. We'll cover it. It's not a big deal. Yeah, well, that's and, good. But yeah, it was. It was like my first time damaging someone's car you know so <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was bad though like, um high of the week yeah that's like superhuman <laughs> yeah. uh, well it was like it was one of those like because it was a 99 civic mm-hmm. so it, was, it wasn't like a, a handle where you like pull and like it was i don't know it goes like up almost like the door handle comes up and oh. it's like made out of plastic so it just ripped right off gotcha yeah that wasn't fun um my high of the week is i ordered a bunch of stuff on amazon and if it, whenever i get a bunch of packages it always feels <laughs> like my birthday so um <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's back, though. That yeah you yeah, know it was really fun i got some car stuff like a tire inflator electric tire inflator mm-hmm. um an obd reader and a electric duster to like clean stuff and like i can use it to drive my car oh, that's cool so, yeah that those are my that's my low and my high of the week yeah yeah go ahead there we go okay yeah sure um left is law <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true um my low of the week has got to be the weather it's so cold it's so rainy i'm not i'm not vibing it i you know i kind of missed the summer spring 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm waiting for the snow. I'm excited for that though. Yeah, the snow's better. Like I mean, that's something. I I just the rain right now. It's kind of just miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my high of the week is that I got a new desk chair and it's really nice and it's really comfortable. So it's making homework, you know, a little bit better. I don't good. have to stand that's up good. after and be like, oh, my back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you want to go? Okay, let me think here. Highs and lows. I think my high for this week will be being here with you and uh, feeling like Aww. feeling like uh, my experiences oh, yeah. uh, will somehow enrich this podcast. Yes, that feels pretty will. good. Yes, it will. <laughs> it might help someone out there listening. Yeah, so that feels really good. Um, I think that's definitely a high. For my low, I would say that it's more on the darker, uh, complex side. I think it has to do with just uh, the war that's happening right now and yeah. having friends that are Palestinian and mm. having family that is uh, Jewish I think ha- like just being on seeing both, both of those sides yeah. has been very difficult for me I feel like it's um, mm-hmm. it's just very complex and I'm mi- I have a lot of mixed emotions about it mm-hmm. so that will definitely be my low for this week Fair should have said that. Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit on one of our episodes. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, yeah, I would agree. Like, for me, I, I wish I thought of that. My low is definitely that as well. I'm changing mine because, like, it's something that, yeah, for, like, I'm finding it hard to live my everyday life right now knowing what's going on and, like, what some people are losing, like, babies are dying. It's just, it feels wrong to have the privilege to live life the way we do right now. It does, yeah. I don't know. It's such a heaviness, so I definitely agree. This is a question just for Esperanza over here. Okay. Uh, tell us about yourself and everything. Like, like, what is it? What is it you do? What is it you do in your life nowadays? Um, how far do you want me to go back? <laughs> uh, I, oh, I mean, I mean, yeah, I was mean, nine. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying like for like a history lesson. I'm, I'm like, no. <laughs> history lesson is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, but like you're saying, tell me about you, like now, like what do you do? I mean, like, like now, you can, you can say the base, like where you grew up and everything. You know, like, yeah. like what made you want to get into like your job and all kind of stuff, like what your interests and your passions yeah, are, like what your stuff. job is. Just like briefly skim over, and okay. then you can go and everything else after that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so, um, so my family came to Canada with my, my two brothers and I with my mom. We came to Canada as refugees. We got sponsored by the government. And yeah, since then I've been living in Vancouver. So that was when I was about six years old. Um, and we've been living here ever since. My mom, she was a housekeeper at VGH for about 10, 12 years. And that's when I really was curious about nursing because I met so many nurses at the hospital where she worked and I got to meet them and I said oh, okay like maybe this is something I want to do in the future and um, since I was a little girl I also I, I was the oldest one so I feel like I've always um, liked being in leadership roles or being very nurturing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I always pretended to be a teacher to my to my siblings so I'd sit them down <laughs> well, and I'm like okay I'm gonna be your teacher and we're gonna learn Spanish yeah, and they would get st- you know they'd get stickers and like check marks and all of that. So I think I've always wanted to combine nursing and teaching. I think it's just been a, like a natural progression. Mm-hmm. And I think in my grade eight yearbook, I said I want to become a teacher. I mean, sorry, I want to become a nurse in ten years from now. Which mm-hmm. at VGH I said. Um, so that's one thing. And then in terms of why did I become a nurse, that is obviously one of the foundations. After that, I traveled to back home, which is Nicaragua, 
and I volunteered at a elementary school with kids and I also went to the hospital and I went to rural areas and I really mm -hmm. saw that they had a necessity for health education and I said well maybe one day I want to be the nurse that comes to rural parts of the world and teaches um, people about health and how to be healthy and what resources to get so that mm -hmm. also was very inspiring um, when I went back home and um, shortly after that trip I applied to get into the nursing program and uh, graduated in 2017 then I started teaching for UBC in 2019 and then I started my master's degree in um, 2020. Nice. Wow. wow. So, That's awesome. Right when been... COVID started. <laughs> yeah, just right when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the best time to start because yeah. <laughs> I had to be indoors anyways. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. How, how, was, how was that going to the school, going to school for your master's during the start of COVID? Um, it was very stressful, actually, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, because uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And you just didn't really know. Yeah. I, well, we've never experienced, I've never experienced a pandemic. And I was mm -hmm. like, what's going on? And I didn't know what to think of it. And it was very scary at first. I remember making a video and just being like, you know, you know, everyone, please be careful. Like this virus is so contagious. Like, I don't want to bring it back to my family. I don't want to lose anybody. And I was just like in a panic mode Yeah. yeah in the beginning because we had very little information and, uh, you know, the news and how they, everything was so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, so, so scared. Yeah. Um, yeah you just the, see these numbers of cases rising and people dying. And yeah, I'm like, oh people are God, dying. What is happening? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my goodness. And I remember being, um, I was, I was on the unit and, you know, we were just like getting all these, all this information for um, our managers and, you know, COVID and we have to be careful and all these things. And I remember just going into, straight panic mode mm -hmm. and I was working and I just there's like tears going down my face and wetting my mask because I was just so scared and I'm like oh my gosh I have to tell my patients how scary this virus is is what I thought initially mm -hmm. so that was quite scary and everybody on the unit was incredibly scared not wanting it not wanting to bring the virus home to their loved ones and saying oh do you know do I need to consider moving out yeah. So I can continue being yeah. a nurse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just so I, I don't bring that home. So there's a lot of those conversations. Even I considered it. I'm like, maybe I need to move out with my girlfriend that lived, um, you know, in a that didn't live in the city and she had a big home. And I was like, maybe I need to leave my family because I don't. I'm going to continue working as a nurse. I don't want to bring it back to my family. Yeah. So there was definitely those conversations and people being very scared. <laughs> yeah. Those and people. not wanting to go home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like aside from uh, aside from you guys, like the workers themselves and everything. Mm -hmm. How uh, how do you how was uh, how was like upper management's dealing with the situation? Like, what was their message to you guys during that time? Um, management's management's message towards us. I guess like your superior superiors and everything. Yeah. Like the guy, like the heads of the department or like the hot like the hospitals like of the school and everything. What was their message to you guys who were who were who were working as a uh, as nurses? I think their message was, um, I guess, for us to, I guess it was, let me see here, let me think. Mask up. <laughs> Sorry? Mask up. Yeah, yeah mask <laughs> up, you know, yeah. mask up, the PPE, mm -hmm. um, giving us all the numbers that they were getting. That was mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, that was obviously scary. Yeah. Um, 
what was your master's in? Like, is it just nursing or is there like a specialization in it? Um, there's a focus in teaching. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. what did like during COVID, what did that look like for you? Like, are you having classes as well? Like, I don't, I don't honestly know what like a day in the life of <laughs> a master's student in nursing and teaching. Yeah. Um, it's like. all online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. um, it's self-directed. Okay. So yeah. you can work full time and still go to school. Okay. Yeah, but you have, you know, discussion posts online and you have, obviously you have peers, but you never actually meet them in person. It's all virtual. Was that because of COVID or always what it was? It's always like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. It's, it's, a very, it's a very well-known university for doing online uh, programs, okay. which is what I wanted to do because I, I knew that I wanted to work full-time and right. go to school, so it worked perfectly. Right. Um, but you know what? I did get really burnt out uh, with the pandemic because we we've always already been short nurses. Yeah. And um, working in that chaos of like feeling like I-, I can get extremely ill or die from this virus, it was very scary. For sure. And yeah. then you're just on top of that, you're short staffed, so mm. you burn. Yeah, I burned out really fast, and then I needed to take a bit, a bit of a break, and then go back into it. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I mean, I want. I don't know. I'm curious to hear more about like your experience working in a hospital or working as a nurse during COVID and like seeing, you know, other people receive treatment, other specialists and like their experiences and like, yeah. Cause I don't know. I obviously we were instructed to stay away from hospitals and I was yeah. lucky enough to not be sick and not have to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm just curious to hear like more about that. Well, in the beginning we had nobody in our hospital mm-hmm. because people were told not to come to the emergency unless they had something life-threatening right. or very serious. So we were actually quite dead. Um, and I guess we were preparing for like a mass, um, like just lots of people coming into our hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it never really happened that way, to be honest. Um, but after everybody, after the, I guess, restrictions of having surgery were allowed again, or they were they stopped those restrictions Mm -hmm. then we obviously became more busy but I think what happened is that they were so behind on surgeries that they did so many and then we were so busy right right yeah because there was a few months where there was no surgery Mm -hmm. and the hospital was very dead like I I was a cat I'm still a casual at the hospital so I wasn't really picking up that many shifts because they didn't really need me right Mm -hmm. um but they did I did take a special course a high acuity course just um in preparation in case they needed to float me there, which they never had to, but I got a little bit of a taste and to see like what that would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When COVID started, I was working at a physio clinic as mm-hmm. a receptionist. So I, we referred a lot of people to do like hand surgeries cause it was mainly focused on hands and yeah. hands and um, vertigo and some other things. But we experienced that same kind of thing where like, surgery wait list just ended up like during covid we're just like almost felt like endless mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were just like yeah we're not really doing anything unless it's like unless it is like life-threatening um so i, I totally understand kind of like where you're coming from with that yeah mm-hmm. Sam, do you have anything you want to ask? i do actually so yeah so for <laughs> your so for your schooling when you first started with uh when you first started around the time of covid how mm-hmm. was how was that experience doing the mostly like online online schooling for your pro for your program how and how do you how do you think like uh covid affected affected it um i think i was under stress from the burnout that i was feeling it was just i was working mm-hmm. a lot taking as many shifts as i could yeah. and then i started school and i hadn't been in school for i guess a, a couple or a few years 
So getting back into that routine mm-hmm. was a little bit difficult because then I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, how do I write a paper? And writing has never been um, something I'm quite great at. Mm-hmm. Now I am, but that's after so many yeah, yeah. <laughs> courses yeah. and yeah. practice and experience. But at that time, I was like, oh my goodness, we have to write so many papers. And that's not something that is my strength. Um, mm-hmm. So that I, I did struggle with that and managing my time. Yeah. And being like, okay, I'm a f- I, I, for- I work full time. I go to school part time. How do I manage my time? And unfortunately, I also was dealing with a breakup at that time. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so it's just so many just all oh, the, all the bullshit of life just coming at you at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah. I, and I just had a new puppy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was training him. It was just a lot of different things all at once happening at that time. Yeah. Mm. But so, I, did, I was happy that it was online because yeah. mm-hmm. I would not be able to attend classroom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's definitely tough. And like, how long? How long were the shift? Were the shifts you were taking up like full eight eight out eight hours? No, twelve Ten, hour shifts. Twelve hour shifts. Oh, yeah. So goodness. you're working twelve hour shifts, and you got to go home, study, write papers, take care of yourself, the puppy, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, how that's 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 that's, that's definitely tough. Um, four, uh, depending how much wow. I picked up. So yeah. at that time, I was picking up a lot. Um, but the thing is, it's not just twelve hours because sometimes you don't really get your breaks. So it's. I mean, it is 12 hours and then you don't always get your breaks as a nurse. Yeah. And sometimes or oftentimes you stay like an hour or two after your shift is done. Because either you're short staffed and they're like, please, we need you to stay Mm because we have no one coming in. Or you're so behind that you need to stay an extra hour to finish off some nursing tasks or your documentation. Mm -hmm. Um, So you end up staying a much longer time. So they're they're very long and exhaustive because you're on your feet yeah, easily. You just, I you just don't stop moving basically. You don't stop moving. Um, you're on high alert the whole time because you're not dealing with you're dealing with people's lives. Yeah. And yeah. I'm on a surgical unit, so you know people come straight from the surg- from surgery. It means that we have to check on the, check on them more often, more frequently. They have a bunch of narcotics. We have to look at their drains. Um, you know, so that. It makes it a little bit complicated as well. We have very sick people on the on our unit. I see people online, like nurses, talking about like the things that they go through that other people like don't see. That maybe will like mm-hmm. you know like clarify for other people what like their struggle is or what their you know the gaps in. Um, I don't know whether it's like shortage of employees, like the amount of patients they have. Like I've seen um, nurses podcasts talking about that being like we take on. The amount of patients I'm watching at one time doesn't allow me to actually provide the proper care because of staffing issues. So my question is just like, what are some of those issues that kind of like that? Like things that maybe other people don't see that nurses like are commonly like going through or struggling with or, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I think when I got into nursing, I was so passionate because I really wanted to talk to people. I'm a people person. I love talking. I have, I love having deep conversations. Um, all those kind of things and I, I was really thinking that nursing would be a very holistic profession where I'd be able to talk to somebody ask them about their lives right. um, you know somehow give them treatment make them feel better or get in back into a health status where in which they can go back home yeah. or if they don't have a good prognosis at least alleviate their symptoms and make sure that they have a good death and all of that but when you're so short-staffed Right. and you don't have the opportunity to actually give them quality care it actually mm-hmm. went against my own right 
ethics mm -hmm. as a nurse because mm -hmm. I'm like this is going against my own values as a nurse and my own morals right and you go back home and you feel an incredible amount of guilt mm -hmm. and regret mm -hmm. yep. because you're you feel like you weren't there for that patient um, you know or having to be like I'm sorry I can't talk about that right now I have to go to another patient that's maybe sicker or more complicated and mm -hmm. that was really difficult for me to do yeah that's tough to navigate it is and what people don't know is that nurses we often get PTSD mm -hmm. and it's we don't always talk about it or we don't we're not always aware of it but it happens things like this where you feel like you're going against your own values or you see a lot of trauma like you see people very, getting very sick you know they have a heart attack they have a stroke um, mm -hmm. or you know they need yeah. acute care and you see that all the time it's also difficult sometimes to witness very unhealthy family dynamics mm -hmm, of course and yeah. you know kind of experience that and also we see a lot of death yeah so we're sometimes the last people to be there for that yeah patient mm -hmm. and for for COVID I think what was the hardest for me is having to have patients die without really that much family at their bedside mostly yeah. us and then we sometimes would make an exception to have one or two people coming in but we were very strict about how many visitors we had and mm -hmm. you know for me uh being from latin america like when yes, that is yeah. happening the entire family would be at mm -hmm. the bedside yeah, with their family also. member mm -hmm. praying singing bringing gifts like all those things would be happening but we didn't see that it was very it was very dark and it was so very painful. sad mm -hmm. and it was it was heavy on all the nursing staff to yeah. see that and then of course you know we do have patients with or without covid uh, without the pandemic that just don't have family so then having to literally be the last person they see mm -hmm. because they don't have any family that's also very sad yeah that is very sad I think I mean like the extent that I can relate to that is like for me with Polly with political science like I got into it because of like humanitarian passion like because I wanted to help certain parts of the world like you know women in certain parts of the world attain rights like you mm -hmm. know third world people in third world countries like having access to water food shelter yeah and getting into political science for that reason and then kind of having a lot of professors or people around me suggest like let's you know you should be a lawyer and thinking like to get up to where I would want to be or even to be a lawyer in any sense you do have to sacrifice your morals you do have to sometimes defend people that you don't agree with defend people that have done things you don't agree with so it's like you know you've gotten into a field because of certain um morals or ideologies and then you end up having to sacrifice that and that's really really difficult I agree yeah that, that's incredibly hard and as a nurse you think you can leave it at the hospital but you do bring some of it home of course like yeah i can imagine yeah. you know it's so in, it's in your memories you know that's not just gonna stay in a building yeah it's yeah. gonna come with you it's in your head mm -hmm. i mean like 100%. ptsd like if you think about people that aren't nurses or don't work in a hospital first of all like a hospital is where you see people at their weakest lowest yeah. points like um if you experience death in one family or see you know in your own family one person or see someone go through something or have a traumatic experience yourself you will see how that affects you seeing that constantly I can only imagine and then it's almost I can assume I mean I might be wrong but it, mm -hmm. it becomes normalized because so Does. many of you are experiencing that mm -hmm. so then you're even less likely to see it at for what it is or treat it or so that's really yeah. disheartening and I even know with doctors I believe like they can't even seek mental support for certain things or else they could risk losing their license 
Hmm. Because, like, one, like, you can't break code, and I think, like, you can't speak on certain things. Hmm. Like, I don't know what the wording is, but... Probably, yeah. Um, and then the second thing is just, like, it shows that you're too weak of a person to do it, essentially. To yeah. do, To yeah. give the care you need. The so it's, like, view. expecting these people to be superhumans who get... But it's tough because you get into the field because you care, but I don't know. It's, like, then... To not experience trauma, you kind of do have to become desensitized or kind of like, you know. You do. Otherwise, yeah. it's too much to handle. It's a, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. And that's the thing. That's, you know, you take all, all these people with morals and they can become, just, it's such a saddening, yeah, it's such a saddening reality. Hmm. And you know what? When I, um, after there, there is no restrictions on surgery, so we were allowed to have surgeries. And obviously our unit is a surgical unit, so. Yeah. Busy. It was very busy, mm -hmm. and then I was working lots of shifts, and I really did burn out. Like I mm -hmm. really experienced sure. that, and it was disheartening because I lost compassion. Yeah, and that's not me. That's not my. That's not who I am as a person. I don't lose compassion, but I lost compassion for sure because I was so exhausted. You were the yeah, giving you were at your and giving. One hundred percent. You know, I understand. So, yeah. and I remember reading. Uh, sorry, I remember writing to my manager, and I said, you know. I'm I'm losing my compassion. I'm like very fatigued. I'm I'm so busy and the workload is so heavy that I'm making medication errors. They weren't big medication errors, but I'm like I'm giving them not on time. Mm -hmm. None of them are on time. Um, right. I've missed some orders because you're so busy running around. And I'm like this is a, like a patient safety concern that I have that I'm putting my license on the line because the workload is unmanageable and incredibly overwhelming. Right, right. And I was like, I need to take a break. Like, I'm, I don't want to pick up for the next two weeks. And I did take that break because I just felt yeah, like my I'm going to lose my license. Not because I'm on, I was purposely being neglectful. Yeah. I right. was just like, I can't keep up. I'm going to yeah. make I'm going to, there's only <laughs> so much you can do. And then you're going to make a mistake that could possibly lead to patient harm or injury. And I right, didn't want right. to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, it's good on you to recognize that as well, you know, like some people would just try and, you know, burn on, and as I said, like, it's normalized, so you would just continue on, and yeah. it's best to, you know, you are acting in the best interest of your patients, that's why you're getting into it, so to recognize that for yourself is a really mm -hmm. good thing, that's yeah. awesome. It's, respons it's a responsibility of yourself to know when to say when. I wonder yep. if, yeah. um, like, we were talking about, yeah, like, stress, and like, during COVID, there's being other layers to that, first of all, the, the stress is higher because of... Uh, a pandemic, something that could possibly harm you, your mm -hmm. family. I wonder if going through that helped you learn any like stress coping mechanisms that you feel like you wouldn't have maybe, or like if 100%. that just, yeah. yeah. And like what those would be. I'm just curious. Yeah. Because I can't imagine, I don't know what you must've felt in that time. Yeah. It was, it was quite, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, yeah, that was um quite the time. I yeah. remember looking at like the more senior nurses and seeing them break down and, and cry mm -hmm. and just being like I can't do this anymore like seeing your charge nurse being like I can't do this anymore crying in the clean utility room because she feels wow. like it's yeah. incredibly overwhelming to look after all these patients and then management's like we don't ca like it came across like they were like we don't care we still need to have more patients being discharged sent home and we have more surgical patients so it was like you could never win you're always busy mm -hmm. yeah. so we, I mean, nurses continue to feel unheard for this reason. Right. You know, because uh, the workload is very unreasonable and it's burning everybody out. And we don't feel heard. We don't feel respected, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, some, I guess you were talking about strategies mm -hmm. and how to manage stress. Yeah. Um, take, 
take uh, breaks. Breaks are very, very important. And um, debriefing with the right person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I remember calling my boyfriend at the time and it was a very traumatic death that I experienced. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, okay, maybe it's not the right person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like, for I don't me, think a lot of people are experienced too. Yeah. Yeah. They're not that. experienced yeah. that. So it's really important to make sure that you know who you're debriefing with. So like your colleagues or somebody else in the same field is going to be more understanding and have more compassion towards you or know what to say. Or even just be able to listen without them being also overwhelmed by what you're saying. Because it could be very traumatic for somebody that's not in healthcare to be like, what do you mean you just witnessed a death? Like, that's incredibly um, scary or whatnot. So making sure you have someone you can debrief to. Taking breaks. Exercise. Very important. Um, Mm -hmm. Diet. Making sure you eat well. Um, and then a surprising strategy was basically to limit how much time you watch the news. Yeah, that makes sense. Because isn't the news a depressant? I've heard that the before. News is, the news <laughs> it's literally a depressant, is yeah. very depressing because that's what sells and gets the numbers up. Tragedy. Well, yeah, when yeah. you watch, like, my parents will have it on all the time. Oh, my God, you, I'm walking by at different points of the day. It's like, this person died. This is happening. You know, it's a reel of all these tragedies. And, you know, that's even the problem that we're experiencing right now because there's such a, you know, there's a genocide happening. It's like... It is, yeah. It's, it's, it's heavy. It, it, it weighs on you. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to go on with your day. But the reality is of having eight to, I don't know how many people, billion people on this planet is... If somebody wanted to report on tragedy 24-7, they could. And that's kind of, yeah, exactly what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, a, that's a surprising one, but non-surprising at the same time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was one of the strategies. Um, and then after that, I was already, in, in, I was already teaching at that time. Mm-hmm. So um, it was about also knowing that shift work wasn't for me. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and I just I'm actually much happier teaching and um, right. balancing between picking up randomly at the hospital and teaching. That's created a very incredible balance for my life. Yeah. Where now I feel like I'm, I'm okay. Like I'm I'm good. I don't have that high stress that I did when I was only doing shift work. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. That's what I was gonna ask. I was gonna say like, how is it different now compared to then? But I guess you kind of solved that by focusing more on teaching and staying yeah. away from those like really long shifts where it's just super overwhelming and yeah it is yeah. and you know we like i said we we we've always had a shortage of nurses but the pandemic just made it worse yeah it made more people aware that there's such a, a shortage so right. like we've definitely noticed a decrease in nursing applicants mm-hmm. <laughs> as well cuz i think they're just like well i don't want that job Oh, it's it, you have to be very you have to be very strong to be a nurse I think I think mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so another thing I'm curious about is based off of like your takeaways from your personal experiences and seeing other nurses personal experiences around you what are things that like you would want to pass on or like information or almost like tips that you want to pass on to those that you teach or even to people that are listening to this now that want to be a nurse but uh, well, you have to be or are, you know. Or are, yeah. yeah. So for my students, I always have to make really realistic expectations. Um, nursing can be very rewarding, but you need to know how to balance it in your life. Otherwise, it will take over and you will get burnt out really fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, kind of always being 
considerate of that. Also, I mean, nursing, the great thing about it is that there's so many different opportunities out there. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to work at the hospital. You can work in public health. You can work at a clinic, in community. There's so many options for you. That's right, yeah. Um, But I would say that taking care of your mental health, that means, like, exercise and diet again very important right and stress techniques so like what does what works for you does meditation work for you does um getting closer to your religion is that something that reduces your stress like there's those things are very important to do Mm -hmm. and talking about it so in nursing we have a lot of bullying happening Mm -hmm. because it's such a high stress thing (laughs) And everyone's really burnt out. So I think uh, what I tell my students and what I actually get them to practice is conflict management. Mm-hmm. So if an, if they have uh, an interaction, a negative interaction with a nurse or um, another healthcare professional, I confront it and we're like, okay, let's talk about this. What are we going to say? And how are we going to get? Well, how are we going to find a solution to this interaction? Yeah. Um, because when you in in a setting where you don't say anything at all and you just let it pass by. What happens is just resentment. Right. Nothing gets resolved. So I'm somebody that's... I wouldn't say I love conflict, but I'm not scared <laughs> I'm not scared of it. Yeah. yeah. So my students, obviously, they're very scared when everything's new, but I'm like, let's go and talk to that person. Right. And right. you know what? It Most of the time, it's always a very positive interaction because both sides feel like they're heard and they can move forward and, and continue to have a positive experience while they're in that, on that unit or during that clinical term. Yeah. These are conflicts between nurses or between nurses and other like medical staff? Be, um, between nurses, between other medical staff. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like it's yeah. high stakes, high stress, high pressure. Like, I mean, like it's a, it's a hospital and everything, when they work in hospitals and everyone is, uh, you know, their lives are on the line. Like what kind of conflict or bullying would be happening between nurses and other, and other, and other doctors? Yeah, I'm actually curious about that too. Um... Let me think here. Mm-hmm. When I'm thinking about my students, it mostly happens if um, a nurse feels like my student's being negligent towards a patient, and then they're like, why isn't this done? But the mm-hmm. reaction is negative and, and big, and they blame the student and oh, yeah. you know those kind of things. So that's mm-hmm. where the bullying comes along, where sometimes nurses will be like, we don't want students here. They're more work. So then, the, you know, the student comes to learn and, you know, the nurses aren't willing to teach. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. I understand. Yeah. Or instruct, you know. So that's where the conflict comes when it comes to the nurse and the student. Yeah. Now it's between... Like it is. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to nurse to nurse, it could be things like I, in my personal experience, for example, I was working with a physiotherapist and I needed to discharge a, a patient and I needed to do it faster than... Um, yeah. you know, I needed to get it done. And, um, I felt like she was, I was like, okay, we need to discharge this patient and, um, sooner than later would be great, um, for them. And I was like, I have all the papers done. And I just felt like she was taking a long time. She didn't really want to do it. And it was really obvious that she didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting, I remember, I remember feeling like just anger and frustration. Right. And then I was like, I'm so frustrated because they're holding me back on discharging this patient. So it was just about talking. I was like, you know what? I just need to go confront her. And I was like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. And we had a conversation about it. And we're great friends. 
Yeah, yeah. there you go. But yeah. if we hadn't had that conversation, um, there could have been resentment or bad blood. And right. it really sometimes um, when there's bullying happen between nurses, it's not ever even something that complicated. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, it also makes sense that there's some people that aren't like, you know, that like comfortable with conflict enough to like go approach it and it's a tougher thing that they have to like learn in that role yeah um oh and another another strategy is be very open to feedback yeah i know that some people can take feedback quite personally and and think that it's um it shows that they're incompetent in some way but they're it's that's not the point of feedback you should be excited to receive feedback so kind of learning to do that at first i was like oh like i took it personally right um, but now I welcome feedback right. and I think it actually makes me a better nurse mm-hmm. um, and I offer my feedback whenever possible too yeah yeah makes sense yeah. another yeah question I have is, uh, is about interaction with other medical staff that's not a nurse like not nurses as well and like how like I don't know I've heard experiences from other nurses on how that can be negative with like again like a hierarchical kind of treatment or just like a disrespect for their understanding or their perspective or their job or their value and so yeah I'm just curious of like your experience with that or what you see with that um in my personal experience um I haven't had too many negative experiences to be honest there has been some obviously Mm -hmm. Uh, there always is but most of the time I think we work as a team actually yeah, so it's actually quite great, and um, I think the relationship between, a, for example, doctor to nurse or surgeon or whatever, right. I think we've kind of became like a team. That's so good, there's yeah. no, um, I've never felt a sense of like, you're better than me, or I'm less than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's, you know, that's but, ideal. That's how it should be, right? Yeah. But not to say that I've had, you know, I've definitely had some experiences where it was very negative and mm-hmm. it, you know, specific to that one surgeon, but it wasn't something that I could generalize. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think, like, even when I've, like, seen people online talking about that experience, yeah, I don't think it's, like, a like a universal thing with all other, like, medical staff. It's normally that, yeah, like, an anomaly experience or just, like, you know someone that's very set in their ways that doesn't want to communicate or that's normally the stories that I, you know, yeah. I've yeah. heard, you know. Yeah, I feel like that's, uh, nurse to nurse conflict is more common than I could that, see that, type though, of yeah. con- that type of conflict. Yeah, because yeah. they feel like an entitlement over like, oh, I know how to do this better or you're talking about the same thing or, you know, I get it. That makes sense. And it all really has to do with communication. So, you know, somebody can be, say something in a certain tone People take it wrong. Like it's, it has to do a lot with communication or lack of communication. Right. Yeah. Um, I know you said that you're focusing more on teaching now, and that eventually one day you might want to go back to kind of where you your home and like where you grew up or where yeah. you were born, and kind of spread knowledge there. Mm-hmm. Um. Where do you see yourself in the next, like, five years? Or, like, I don't know, you can decide two years, three years. <laughs> what like, what's, your, what's your future? What's your goal that you're working on right now? Um, my goal, first and foremost, would be to finish my master's. Mm-hmm. So in four months, I'll be able to achieve that. 
-hmm. After that, I would like to focus on classroom teaching, which I just started a few months ago, so that's new to me. So I've always been teaching in a clinical setting, so at the hospital with my group of students, teaching them how to be a nurse. But now I just recently started teaching in a classroom setting, PowerPoint Mm -hmm. with all my students and, you know, doing that. So that's been a great challenge because I'm not used to that, but so far I've really, really liked it. And I I feel like my students like me, so that's good. At least most of them. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, so I would like to continue doing that, actually. Mm-hmm. So continue teaching um, would be something I would like to do. I would like to maybe go on a mercy ship. Um, so the mercy ship is basically, it's, it's Christian-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girlfriend, she does it almost every single year. And her experience is, I'm like, wow, it's just... You can't get those experiences anywhere else. So she goes to different parts in, in Africa, mm-hmm. and she is a nurse there. She helps the surgeon. Um, she works with adults and kids, mm-hmm. um, gets kind of really involved in the culture, and I'm like, I would love to do something like that. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah, that yeah. would be meaningful and very memorable. and Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. amazing. So I'd really, really love to do that in the future, definitely. Um I don't intend to get my PhD. I think I'm done with that education for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no more, no, 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 no more going back to school for you. No, yeah, I don't think so. Well, you so. can actually get out there and you know work and you know use what you know and yeah, benefit. definitely. So I definitely want to continue doing that and expand my experience like that. And um, what else would I want to do? Professional wise, I think that's pretty much yeah. it. No, that's fair. Yeah, and maybe you know what I would really like, just kind of working, is some. Cur- I would like to do some curriculum um, building. Is that the right word? Like Creation. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. Like create, yeah. like creating a course for students to go off of, like, like well, like what your idea of what you want people, pe- what you think people should learn going yeah. into uh, health healthcare. Yes, I would really like That's to awesome. have to partake in some of that because I know some of my students, the feedback they give me, and I'm like, oh, okay, like I feel like I could make their learning experience better by taking everything they say and then creating a curriculum yeah. that's like based some, on the, yeah. what the students need. Yeah. Well, to have someone outdated. like knowledgeable, someone who's empathetic, yeah, that, that's mm. probably, you know, someone who has experience, that's that's the best person too. Yeah, and, so, I, yeah. and I think definitely being a student mm. and also being an instructor at the same time has been really helpful because I can really relate to my students. Right. Because, yeah. you know, they're under stress and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I also have a paper, I also have an exam. So yeah. I think being able to relate to them like that has been really helpful in their learning because we can understand each other. Yeah. And we're also learning together. So my strategy with my students is let's learn together. I'm not teaching you. We're learning together. And I think that really helps my students or my students expand their knowledge in a more like natural, fun, easy way, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice getting uh, both sides of the story then in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, I got I have two questions now. Oh, uh, Scott! <laughs> yeah. Scott actually kind of gave me an idea for one. But that is, what do you think? What do you think would have happened had you actually not gone into healthcare? What do you think your life would be like then? If I um, I did want to be an, a teacher, maybe an elementary school teacher. Well, so so I mean, so I should have oh. clarified. I mean, like outside of teaching and outside of uh, and outside of healthcare, what do you think you would you would have done? I would I would create my own business. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what would the business be about? Teaching and healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> it always circles back. It always circles back. You know what? I have no idea what I would have the business in. Yeah. But I just think I would want to. 
I'm like some I I have to admit like I'm a bit of a rebel so I'd be like well no one tells me what to do I'm gonna make my own business and make my own rules and wake up whenever I want to get to work right and live your life really that could be down the road as well you know even pursuing what you've pursued yeah I don't know how I would you know what if you guys could help me and figure out how I can use (laughs) my, my knowledge and experience to somehow like create a business that would be great But I think that's what I would do. And the reason why is because the majority of my friends that do, that are entrepreneurs or have a business, they're doing so well. Mm, And they have so much time, which the pandemic really made me value is our time. You're You're never guaranteed time. So I think that's why the business aspect really um, kind of interests me because I'm like, eventually you could give yourself more time. I feel the same way. I mean, we've done an episode, it hasn't been released, but we did one talking about like nine to fives and like 40 hour work weeks and what you lose doing that and like um, personal time, personal growth, health. And yeah, of course, like that's something I've, I've thought about as well. And it is an end goal for me, whatever. And I don't know what my business would be either, but hopefully I'll find it in my field. And because that just opens up your opportunity. Also, like to be able to go, you know, on passion projects and do the things that you want to do and not be restricted by like yeah financial restrictions uh shift times all that yeah it's a really valuable and freeing thing and as you said yeah time is the most valuable thing we really have Mm -hmm. so to get that back yeah it's 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 very important like i when i was first teaching i was also training for a boxing match (laughs) yeah i had no time i don't even know how i trained um, but I, I would have loved to have more balance in my life at that oh, yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. You know, like to do those passion projects, like you said. Yeah. I want to continue to do that in the future. That's the thing is like, I noticed the transition from being kids is like, we had so much time to, you know, achieve our passions and do what we wanted to do because we didn't have those stressors of like, yeah, how am I going to afford a house, pay rent, you know, yeah. have kids, all that. So mm-hmm. if you can alleviate that by one, having a successful business and, you know, also free up your time that's a pretty amazing thing mm-hmm. yeah because you have the freedom to actually be free and exist and do the things that make you yeah that's awesome thanks yeah it's so much different from when we were kids but uh yeah i have on my here's my second question though. okay yeah <laughs> yeah and that is more so because when you were working during covid yeah right? so how do you how do you feel like the situation within within hospitals the government like the news uh the overall approach to the pandemic was ha- was handled seeing as you were on the front lines working working first person i think it was handled very responsibly to in my opinion yeah mm-hmm. um i think we did more harm than good with the lockdowns yeah um we saw increased mental health we saw increase um child pornography we saw increase opioid overdose um we saw an increase in disparity for elderly for the elderly population mm-hmm. Um, and also children paid a, uh, paid a price for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their education went down the drain because, yeah. of, because of that time. So mm-hmm. for me, it's we didn't really, I, I don't really, I didn't really see a benefit to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah wait, what like in particular more. about COVID? Wait, what? I feel like I missed a part. So of <laughs> she was just talking about like the uh, the lockdowns and how the government handled and how the government handled things <laughs> within like their their approach to it. Mm-hmm. Sam likes that question. Yeah, that's true. it's a good question. Though. Yeah, it's true because like a lot of a lot of a lot of pe- a lot of people do have a stance. You, their stance on it is like the lockdowns did more harm than good. Mm-hmm. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't good for us. And now there's still studies coming out now mm-hmm. showing statistically 
like uh, psychologically these there really was no benefit to having these to having these lockdowns we've, I mean, yeah we, for example we've seen a decrease in the IQ of, of yeah. kids yeah. like our kids got dumber and even our economy is so like terrible our, our economy right is absolutely terrible and okay so everything is just obviously Jones. not the greatest but yeah. what we have increased is for example inflation mm-hmm. surveillance yeah. mm-hmm. um and i think obviously these vaccine mandates that i don't think should be forced on anybody i think yeah. they should have a choice to get vaccinated mm-hmm. instead yeah. of forcing them to take this vaccine yeah We've also, yeah, we had a conversation with my friend who has a master's in public health Mm -hmm. on the pod about this. And, like, I don't know. I think, like, the issue was, too, that it was, like, being forced, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't being educated on properly. Like, of course, there's benefits of, um, I don't know if it's called, like, herd immunity or whatever. There's benefits of, like, everyone doing it. And if more people do it, it's better. But, yeah, people, understanding that people... Whether we are or not is on the fence, but people do believe they're free in Canada. So to take that away from them and basically say, yeah, if you don't do this, if you agree with this, this happens to you. You don't get a job. You don't get to go to this restaurant. You don't get to do this. You don't get to do it. I don't think that was the right way to go about it. I think it should have been more like, you know, TVs are just going to put on like education about this for a while or whatever it's going to be so that it's in people's face. People were understanding more because I don't think that was happening. Yeah, I agree with you. And I feel like it was very divisive. It, yeah. it got everybody against each other. Yeah. But there's no, there's just, it was also very political. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, you know, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness throughout my whole childhood. Mm. Um, and that religion is very apolitical. So my mom, well, I still believe this. I feel like I, I'm only governed by God, not the government. But when I was a little girl, I didn't even stand up for the Canadian anthem. We didn't participate at any of the holidays, Christmas, birthdays, none of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the pandemic happened, it was the first time that I was like curious about politics because before then I said, well, politics don't affect me. I'm not interested in them. It's not going to change anyways. But then I realized whether we like to admit it or not, politics does affect everybody's life. And yeah. you are involved in and it. And you regardless. are involved yeah. in it. Yeah. So even if you say, well, I'm not going to partake in it because I have, you know, assumptions and conceptions that are negative right. towards politics. It's like, well, it doesn't matter what you think. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the facts are that it does affect every aspect of your life. Yeah. I mean, even for me in particular, like I said, I'm in political science. Like, I have no political affiliation. Like, I don't associate with anything, really. I don't agree with the way that the government stands right now we're kind of like certain groups control everything and there isn't like there isn't much say for people in certain aspects and we we are like yeah i don't know we vote on who goes into power but we don't control where our taxes go we don't control there's so many things that are above our head and so for that reason like i don't agree with politics and government and all of that as well but obviously i'm in it so like my passion is like reforming it is acting outside of it is but to do that you have to understand it and that's kind of you know what you're saying it's like even if you don't agree with it you don't think it should be the way it is you kind of do have to at some point we'll have to interact with it and it is affecting you and in ways you can make changes obviously like i can't go to the government and say like, i ain't paying taxes anymore this is not i don't or <laughs> I, I choose where they go i wish you I could can't do that. do that but mm-hmm. you know if 
there were protests occurring every week or every day for it, maybe it would change. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It's an interesting balance to strike, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, one of the one of um, I went to see Jordan Peterson earlier this year, and there was something that he said that really struck me, and I was like, oh. And he said, you know, instead of complaining about politics or mm-hmm. having um, a negative perspective about politics, become involved in politics and right. try to change the politics. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I and I was like, oh, you know, kind of seeing it like that. I was like, well, if more people thought like that, then we could change our system. But like I said, a lot of people, they see politics as a negative thing like I did. And I was like, I don't want to be part of it. Yeah. And I don't want to educate myself on it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I did myself a disservice because once I actually, with the pandemic, I got involved with politics and it was like a, like a curtain opened and I was like, whoa, I didn't know all this information. Yeah. Yep. And now I'm more knowledgeable. Now I feel like I know my rights better. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those kind of things kind of just came along with all of that. Right, yeah. right. I mean, like, yeah, people's lack of knowledge of it also is like a way of keeping people down. Like people yeah. not wanting to get involved in it and not believing you can make a change. Like I've even seen this thing relating to um, Palestine about like, like Selena Gomez is like the most followed person on Instagram and mm-hmm. she posted saying like I don't know what a post could do I'm not going to say anything I can't change anything and people came back at her saying like there's global protests right now and honestly it is changing things the way that media started portraying this portraying this and the way it's being depicted now is light years of difference because in the past, we didn't have access to media the way we did today, mm-hmm. which, you know, and in the past, they were a lot freer to just lie blankly and, you know, make it look a certain way or manipulate what was happening. And so, you know, like, it is so important for each person to realize that like, we do have a power, even though, of course, there are limitations. There are things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere I can really go where there's no government and I can control myself. And there's nothing they can tell me on how high I can build my house or how much I have to pay. There's nowhere to go. But like, you know, about human life, about, mm-hmm. like, quality of life. These are things that I think we, you know, we could change with the proper mindset and attention to them without getting sucked into them, into the negative things about, like, mm-hmm. yeah, what I said, like, what we can't control. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just think one of, like, one of the worst things about how it was handled was how they kind of weaponized their own beliefs and their own morality against right. you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And... I saw that tear families apart. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that was really disheartening because um, I knew that there was a lot of misinformation and, and lack of information, and I'm like, if we all knew that, then we could actually come together and, and have more understanding towards each other. Yeah. So that was really hard for me to watch. Mm-hmm. Relating, well. sorry, relating to government and politics too. I feel like there's layers of that that were not being respected like in mm. it wasn't as black and white as like hey do this it's going to benefit people and people saying no it's not that black and white because it's not when the no. government is telling people you all have to do this now and ask no questions i mean a layer i can think of is government distrust there's people that have there's groups of people that have been done you know that have been uh, sorry that have experienced injustice at the hands of the government mm-hmm. and so they have distrust like i can um, you know, I'm thinking even, about, yeah, um, like... Even in Canada, too, we have a lot of immigrants that come from... Oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah, and like... Yeah. And they notice. The reasons that they come here is because of distrust in government. They don't think that their government's going to put them in a good spot. Like they, Yeah, I mean, even... Yeah. And you come here and you distrust the government as well, because, like, I can say... Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a personal thing for me, but, like... 
for Indian people, I'm just talking because I am Indian. For Indian people, we've come here. We a lot of us have been accepted. We've had a good life, but it wasn't always that way. When you know, you think about that boat that came to BC that was denied, and they, there was all these Indian people sitting on it that died, and they would not let them in, but they told them, "Come, and we will." And was that basically, BC? They, it, yeah, it's Kamagata Maru. I think it was BC. Pretty sure. Could be wrong, but yeah, they docked and they were left mm-hmm. to die. And you know. You can assume why family members of those people might not trust the government, mm-hmm. might not think, okay, blindly, you know what, they have the best intentions. And that's why I think education from healthcare professionals was more important. Instead of having figureheads like Bonnie Henry or like, it should have been more like, who cares who the person is, just educate. Like, we don't yeah. need to, no one wanted Bonnie Henry to come up and tell us, okay, this, these are your rules and this is why, this yeah. is how it is, done, point blank. And, That's not the approach. Yeah, Teresa, it, it, Teresa Tam as well. And it's not that there's anything wrong with and, Bonnie and Henry. And she looks so unhealthy. <laughs> I know, yeah. Anyways, that's not the point. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it, it shows, it shows. It shows. Yeah. But you know one thing that I noticed with how they handled everything? Is that their only option to defeat the virus was vaccination. Yeah. They never talked about taking vitamin D, taking vitamin C. Yeah, there was getting no getting sunlight, getting your exercise yeah. in. Yeah. Um, those things are so incredibly important increase because they increase your immune system, your natural yeah. immune system. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's true. They never they. I didn't, yes, even, sorry. I didn't even know that any of that like would be beneficial. To yeah. You know, so I'm like, how would if how imagine how incredible it would have been to have. Um, health professionals be like okay you know as a society we're going to come together let's make sure that we take these vitamins let's make sure that we're getting enough fluids yeah. and in that People perspective that with a better response. I'm like yeah. wow that would have instead of being like your only option is to take the vaccine otherwise you die Yeah. yeah. and for me I actually got COVID before there was any vaccinations available with my right. family mm-hmm. it was terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> for a week and a half I, it felt, I felt like just very sick so my reasoning i said well i already got covid so i don't want to take the vaccine because i already had it and i'm like how about my natural immunity that's mm-hmm. that's you can't take that away from me but i definitely felt like they were like don't ask questions you're not allowed to question that mm-hmm. you still should take it and i was like well i've yeah i was working on the front lines for a year and seven months i never once got sick with covid patients of course right i never once got sick and my reasoning i was i was like i already have it i already got it i don't want to get vaccinated against it because clearly my immune system yeah. has been strong i haven't got sick once mm-hmm. right right um right. but i definitely mm-hmm. felt like it was almost like my reasoning was not acknowledged no no one acknowledged anyone's reasoning if it was yeah. against you and know. no one did I, that was such a common thing mm-hmm. at that point it was like Honestly, I feel like it was the norm that was trying to be pushed on people was like, not only do it, but shame or dislike anyone that does it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely like, got and that, shamed. And that was, that was everywhere, like on like a social level, in the, me- in the media, like the news outlets, anyone who spoke out against it, they'd, either be, they'd be fired from their job. People they'd, would laugh about yeah. like how you don't have access to restaurants or this, that, because they mm-hmm. did the whole like vaccine card yeah. thing. And yeah. Even like if you think about like Justin Trudeau with the truckers and him being like threatening to freeze their accounts and stuff, it's like he did, and he did freeze yeah. some of them. Yeah. yeah, and it's like did did that is literally mm-hmm. anti freedom, anti everything, anti free speech. Like that is not Canadian yeah. in its in 
I mean, mm-hmm. and, in its word, in in the text. And it was for a short time. Maybe maybe you know more than this than I do, mm-hmm. but for a short time, when the so the truckers they had the, they had the GoFundMe. Yeah. GoFundMe took that money and said, "No, we're not going to give it to you guys." It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they ever? Do you know if they ever got that money back? And or then no? we had to. I don't know. Then they had to um, use another source of donation that was American, and that yeah. also got shut down. I believe. I heard that. Yeah, yeah I heard that. Um, and also, our own Canadian government released all the names of all the people that. Yeah, they um, practically doxed everyone. Yeah, just, which I think <laughs> that's is, illegal too. That, that's that's another thing that's illegal. illegal. But yeah, you know what? Yeah. Actually, defamation. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know what actually scared me when that was happening, the trucker convoy, is that back in Nicaragua, like it was university students protested against the government. Mm-hmm. They were met with very similar ways of how our government treated the protesters. Mm-hmm. Right, calling them terrorists, calling them name, um, saying that they were allied with. Um, mm-hmm. extremist groups um, obviously you know um, in Nicaragua we had the government kill these university students that were protesting oh obviously gosh. we didn't have any deaths when it came to the protests um, but we did have a lot of violence mm. happening right. against these protesters and a lot of information saying a lot of um, false accusations that uh, after the whole thing actually came out to be untrue yeah. Like I even I was accused of being like, oh, you know, if you support them, you're um, white supremacist and yeah. oh yeah, the white supremacist I, 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 thing you're was super, you're the, a super like far right leaning extremist. They're trying to call you're you names and tell you well. back down essentially. And like, I think yeah. and I think the most ironic thing I forgot what the percentage was. I re- but it's most the <laughs> the truckers are mostly non-white people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which I think was the most ironic mm-hmm. assumption and accusation to make. Yeah, I know. Like I seen, yeah. and like you had Jewish people, you had white people, you had Indian people, you, you had, had Amish Indi- you people, had indigenous people in there as well. They were, they were, they were with the truckers and everything. I think um, the biggest issue with COVID and like how that was like dealt with is that it was as like as we talked way too political, like politicalized. They, they allowed politicians to take way too big of a role that they should never have had. Yeah. Trudeau knows nothing about COVID, <laughs> about what to do. It's even on the table if he knows how to be a leader. So, yeah. like, I don't think we need to worry about that. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's crazy to me. It's the healthcare. Like, people like you who are teaching in healthcare, who understand it, those should be the people that are on the front line explaining, that are educating. Like, you know what I mean? It shouldn't have been fig. It, it shouldn't have been figureheads. It shouldn't have been manipulation of society. This is what you have to do or you're wrong. It should have been, hey, like, here's the science. Here's what we know. You know, like, do what you think is right. He, obviously, as you said... Here's things that you can do for yourself that would mm-hmm. make you healthier, that would make you, you know, less likely to experience this. And if you do, less likely to, like, experience harm or death based on it. Yeah. That is how it should have been dealt with. And mm-hmm. that's the reality. And, like, the problem is whenever there's, like, turmoil and, you know, economies are struggling, mm-hmm. it's not, of course, politicians are going to get their hands on that and they're going to control it. And they're yeah. going to, I'm sure they even put a lot of pressure on healthcare. Oh, yeah. representatives yeah. to be like hey like what's going on with this we need to get this back and running we don't want it you know like i'm sure there was a lot of mm-hmm. that too that was what was going on a big a big thing when it came to the news and information being spread the government was really just pushing like hey you need to give people an answer even though they weren't ready to give an answer yet and even well, mm-hmm. i can understand too why people didn't trust the government because there were so many layers i mean i'm thinking about america right now about like trump Finding, I remember at the beginning when we found out about COVID, yeah. finding out that Trump knew about it for like months and was like, he that, said, he yeah. had said, quote, like nothing will shut down America. And then of course it did. Yeah. And then 
Like, you know, there's distrust on somebody. He was going and telling all of his followers, don't get it, don't believe it, which is fine, okay, if that's what you believe. Yeah. And then he got it. So it's like, you could, he got the vaccine himself. So you could understand why people were like, what the hell? Like, what do we do? This is all coming at us fast. You said X amount of months ago, it's nothing to worry about. Now the whole world's, I feel like it was just such a scramble and the world really got to see how messy this all is, like politics is, and all of these, like all the propaganda, all the things they're trying to push on you, the force, the lack of power we really do have, what they feel, the control they feel they have over us, like Mm. being told we live in a free country like Canada, and then Trudeau saying, I'm gonna seize people's bank accounts if they disagree, is wild. It's just saying like, you're free, but as long as you do what I say. Exactly. So that's that's not actually freedom. That's like you're being coerced into doing stuff against your own will. Yeah. Yeah. So like the positive of that is that it did shine a light on that. And and that on that, the fact that that is a reality. Yeah, it's like, it amazed me when I would talk to some people or hear uh, certain uh, personalities on TV say, oh, no one's forcing you to take the vaccine. But yet, in some cases, if you didn't take the vaccine, you'd lose your job, you'd lose your credibility, you'd lose your sense of security, right? Yeah, your, your wealth and your wealth, some degrees, your friends and everything. It's like okay, so that I am being, I am being forced and everything to take yeah. this vaccine. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the government and I, I again, I can only speak for America. I don't know about Canadian really celebrities, but the government in America was paying all the celebrities. celebrities to speak on it. They would be like sponsored, but I'm like, what? Like. You know, like, I, I did this, you should too. This is what a good human does. This is how you take care of the people around you. Like, And not on the like media side, on the personal side, talking to your own friends. A lot of people that I was around especially mm-hmm. would talk really negatively on anyone that didn't be like, oh, they don't care about other people. Yeah. They, you know, they don't, yeah, like, basically you are a terrible person. You're this, you're that. You, you know, you think that you're the anomaly because you're young. Okay, well, you don't care about the old person. You want old people to die. It's like all yeah. of these terrible assumptions where that's, there's more layers than that. That's, a, that's the thing that got marketed. They got uh, point, point out at me and if they're like, oh, you don't care about this. It's like, I don't, don't even come at me with that. But I find stuff. often yeah. those are people that like, the government, they've never had a reason to distrust anything because it's, you know, I mean, the government here, I can say, you know, mm-hmm. it, it benefits, like, let's say British people, French people a lot more than it does, like, Indian people or Mexican people. So, yeah. you know, if you're British or French, you're more likely to be like, all right, cool, like, I agree, and everyone that doesn't agree is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's the issue. Sorry, yeah. what were you going to say? I forgot. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what did you say again? I don't remember. It was with the uh, the whole the whole... Um, with I think you were talking about yeah with the, it was with the it was with the old people basically them saying if you don't get the vaccine oh you must not care about old people because they're mostly susceptible to die yeah oh ironic ironically a lot of I think the distress that you're talking distressed that you're talking about comes from the fact that um, the government did make a lot of um, statements and a lot of them were wrong and people took note of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things didn't make sense. Like we had stadiums open, but not churches open. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, doesn't make, any, doesn't any, make sense. any sense. So I think a lot of people were like, why is this, Yeah. first of all, yeah. not making sense. Yeah. Uh, after the whole pandemic uh, initially happened, now we're here and we're like, hey, what they said this, but it never came true. Yeah. Or it was mm-hmm. never true. There, like, just, there's so many things that don't didn't make right. any sense that they, they said. Mm-hmm. Like they literally said that unvaccinated people would die. Mm-hmm. That's not. That but that's not really the reality. Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm, I'm still. I'm still breathing. My brother's like you know my brother's still breathing. He's unvaccinated. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was actually much healthier when I was unvaccinated. After I got the vaccine, I've 
been getting sick more often. Well, they didn't even... Like, another thing is long-term effects of the vaccine that weren't communicated. Yeah. Like, now people are... Have, like, there's, like, blood clotting, I think, from one Mito- of the vaccines. Mito- yeah. Mitocarditis. And, like, all of these other long-term issues. And I'm like, this is another thing that people were worried about. And I even remember I, talks about, like, the Johnson & Johnson... Or there was AstraZeneca or something where people were like, Johnson that's the bad one. Or, like, there was all this discussion about which one should I get? Is this one going to hurt me? And no one was being told about anything because... I mean, I guess at the time, if it can't be determined, okay, communicate that and let people make their own decision. They might not want to write that in there. And that's fine. Yeah, like it was definitely an experimental vaccine. hundred And I got so much um, backlash from saying that. But it was, and it still is what it is. Yeah. You know, so if people have hesitancy towards that, we have to be understanding about that. And unfortunately, what um, having it being so political did is that it corroded the trust that we actually have for science. So on one hand, we yeah. have people not trusting any science. So how about if that science is very helpful for our health? They're not going to believe it. Exactly. On the other hand, at least we've exposed how some of those uh, the research can be uh, manipulated mm-hmm. and, and used. And, you know, the other, all the... Um, uh, corruption that can happen with that. So we have both, and now we have. What is science? It's it's ruined science for me at least, because now I'm questioning. Right. If I read something, I'm like, okay, who, yeah. um, who's involved in this research? Yeah. Who do I trust? Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And science was something that was like gold standard. Now it's being smeared by I don't know pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money. Of course. Like full of full of full of. Full of bias, mis and disinformation. Yeah, so I it's think sad. that's it's very sad. It's like a fall from grace in a way. It, it is. is because yeah. how about if we need to get our population healthy and we're like, hey, you know, you should trust us. Nobody's going to trust the science mm-hmm. anymore. And now we. Yeah, well, that's like, why yeah, you no, know, like healthcare, like industries, people that represent them as well as politicians have to be so mindful about that because the relationship between mm-hmm. yeah the population and the healthcare system is very important. Yeah. Yet. It's very The problem is politicians right don't care about the individual as much as they care about moving on whatever action they want to move on. Mm-hmm. So they're not like, oh, well, if this person doesn't trust, then maybe they won't. They don't care. They don't care if you don't want to get the treatment you need. You're a, exactly. you're a number. Like, so it's, it's really disheartening, and I feel yeah. like that's why I think, I don't know, I guess the solution is to have healthcare professions, corporate, whatever it is, have more power within the country to be like you're not controlling this we are in a sense but then there's other distrust with that only to be fully honest like Mm -hmm. the healthcare system has not always been perfect it's not always it has systemic issues too Mm -hmm. like when you i've had this conversation with my sister the other day the first surgery ever done was on a black woman awake because they believe that black women felt less pain than everyone else. Yeah. Essentially, that's just racism. That's just say, like we don't care mm-hmm. about your pain. We don't see it the same way. That's opinions on the personal level and bias within that one person doing yeah. that surgery. And so that's the view like, they held. So it went it their way. It creates distrust yeah. too from oh the, from that community now. And another thing I can think of that's even you know in today's society. I don't know when this was, but is like for my parents when they moved here from India at the time, the government was testing out needleless needleless um like vaccinations or whatever and yeah. what is it called so like oral oral vaccination no right? not oral needleless so they would still put something on your arm but it wouldn't like no not one needle it would just come through in your pores basically right it, it was almost like a suction thing i don't know exactly what the device looks like but anyway to this day my dad moved to in from india when he was four he still has the scar yeah 
Yeah. Because it was like a terrible machine that inflicted a lot of pain and never allowed... I mean, d- does anyone here have a scar from a needle that uh, never... Do you? Wow. Um, I Somewhere on my... No, somewhere on my arm, I think. Oh, wow. But that was like from back home when I was little. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but it's yeah. a scar. But yeah, like saying, you know, if <laughs> you have a scar have it, from, an, from some like routine vaccination you needed to have that's like this big but lasts your whole life... You know, because they were doing a test on you, and they didn't see immigrants as as value as the other, valuable yeah. as the other people. So that was the uh, vaccination, or that was the what is the word I'm looking for? What is this called? Injection. That was the injection, injection that they were willing to do that on. You know, again, it creates distrust. That was obviously not a great method. They didn't yeah. keep it. Mm-hmm. So, but these people were test like dummies for them. So now they have distrust against you. Now they don't mm-hmm. believe you when you speak, and. Yeah, I don't know. It's something that needs to be like paid more attention to, and maybe that was another flaw with COVID is that they didn't I like think, think so. about that enough. Yeah, and also with science, like it's not, and sometimes it's not an absolute answer. That's why you're supposed to question science. Yeah, like that's really yeah. what you're supposed to do. Like that's actually like one of the great things about science is we can question it. Right. And um, I did not see that that was encouraged. Yeah. No. Everybody. It isn't, everybody was just. Everybody was told don't question mm-hmm. this and i and i think that's when i was like this is strange why are be why are yeah. professionals being silenced people that are asking questions are um being censored or shamed yeah. or you know kind of those things because i'm like if you're confident about something somebody asks you a question right that shouldn't um be a negative thing yeah, it should be encouraging. That should be like open, like that should be like, you should open that to a debate and say, okay, well, let's talk about it. Why are you asking that question? Yeah. Right. But it was completely shut down. Don't ask questions. And I was like, that doesn't seem ethical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when you, I don't know what I think about in that set is like parenting. Like if you have a parent that's going to invite you to question and answer your questions or just dismiss you, like it felt like in that moment we were all the leaders, like five-year-old kids that were being dismissed of like, just do it and shut up. Like yeah. you don't get to ask why. There's no why. Shh, do it. Yeah, it's just treating yeah. us like the government, like all these big officials, just treating us like children and not actual adults. Exactly. Like we have, we have the brain power to understand when you, you explain stuff, when you explain things to us. Yeah. And if you're in that high position, you should have the ability and the knowledge to explain to those who are less intelligent. One hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, understanding that yeah. society is full of people with yeah different levels of intelligence, different exactly. intelligence, different experiences. Mm. Like you have to be mindful of that. But yeah. again, I think they were scrambling in, in the time. That's an aspect. There's so many and aspects And the side effects as well. Yeah. Where I felt like I was gaslit. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And they're like, no, that can't be true. And I'm like, well, I know my body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and not, also, I'm, I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm yeah, like, right. what, what, what do you mean? It's like just, the, these side effects were happening to people. Just they're not getting any media presence because it's not, it wasn't profitable. It wasn't good for the message about getting vaccinated. It wasn't good about the message right. from coming from the companies. Like, Johnson, Johnson, Zonsa, Pfizer, the big ones and everything, because it yeah. went against what they were trying to say and sell. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, and that's another problem too. Is and I never even. Re- I, yeah. It's yeah, it's profitable, and I think a lot of people didn't report their side effects because I know in my group of, um, I guess peers, like so many people had side effects, but not very many people reported them, including myself. Right. Well, a I, lot of people probably yeah. with, like your natural. 
response would be to attest it to something else or like not assume or you know discredit yourself because you you know when you walked in you're probably going to be discredited anyways or mm-hmm. told it's something else yeah so, I guess yeah, because yeah, you have that mindset. So that's scary. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like as you go into you go you go into and you have that mindset. It's like, oh, it couldn't it couldn't be the the, the drug made by medical professionals and everything. But it's like you, sh- you should always question stuff, even if it is by profession by professionals. Yeah, doesn't yeah. really doesn't matter, you know. I think I, you can question everybody, anybody, yeah. right? Doesn't matter. And actually, that actually brings me. I mean, this has been on the tip of my tongue in the back of my head this entire like the past five minutes. Okay, Doctor Anthony Fauci. And that infamous line he said in in whatever hearing it was when he says, "I think I know which one." <laughs> I am science. Oh, he said that. He, he said, did not okay. say, "I am." Science. He did say that. He I'm you look it up. He, he, a little he, he he was in there and he said, "I am science." He literally said that on live television when they when people <laughs> no. when people were when 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 people were questioning him. Oh my goodness! And when they're saying, "Should we trust the science?" He's like, "I am science." So trust me. Oh, I thought you were gonna quote when he said that our strongest immunity is our body like is our body isn't that an old quote from back in the 90s or the 80s <laughs> yeah that's what i thought you were gonna say that one that, but i didn't know he that, was like that's, from, that's from another point i think that i was gonna bring up on how he horribly mishandled the aids crisis oh yeah that's another yeah. that's another uh <laughs> i can't find anything spiral. where he said that but he said attacks on me quite frankly are attacks on science yeah he also <laughs> so he, that, is, that is also like, not said, inviting yeah. questioning not inviting criticism Painting it as an attack is an interesting one. I mean, I'm sure there were people that were, like, attacking him because they're like, you're taking away my freedom. I want to go out, take this ban off, whatever. But, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's also talking about people just, like, being like, no, I disagree. Or, yeah. which, is, why, or... which is ironic considering um, medicine is not a all, um, what's called, all-in-one or all, what am I trying to say? Science. It's never absolute. It's never absolute, yes. But it's not a... Um, a one-size-fits-all that's what I was gonna say yeah science is not a one-size-fits-all so as a scientist and a researcher knowing that that means that you need to be open to that and I think that's where my my ethical my ethics kind of collided because I said why are we forcing this um, on people if, if that's not what they want to do yeah like I went against mm-hmm. my ethics because we don't push anything when when I have a patient I don't push them to take medication like if they say I don't want to take that, I say okay, I respect that. I yeah. give them education. Okay, well if you don't take this, these yeah. are the consequences. Okay, but oh, yeah, I never, yeah. I'm not, I'm never like you have to take this. And I did feel like we were forcing people, and I felt bad because some people did have good reasons not to, mm-hmm. or to be hesitant. And I'm like, I think everyone should have a choice. Like that's what I thought Canada was about. Hundred percent. Yeah. Freedom of choice. Right. Yeah, and for you, yeah, you like got into healthcare to help people and make them feel better, and mm-hmm. like you know that that's yeah. Imagine if you were in a you know with a patient and they were like, I don't want to take that medication, and you're like, Well, do you not want to get better? Mm-hmm. Do you not want to like you know that that that's totally unacceptable behavior. But to do that on a larger scale was like yeah, to do it to a whole country. Yeah, was was okay. <laughs> yeah, larger than a whole country. It was done to Americans too, but on a lesser scale. Americans, at the end of the day, I feel the reality is. The American government feels more threatened by Americans pushing back than Canadian gov- the Canadian government does. That's yeah. why Trudeau That's went so hard. That's a good point, actually. Because Americans will rally, like they will rally fast, and they it will. And to be honest, I think they're a lot more radical. Yeah. I think like I think if, you're right. You know, if the government yeah. had done to them what our government, I don't think they would have responded as nice as Canadians did. Yeah. Like I don't think the truckers were 
that's that's not how I don't think America they were very reacted. peaceful. Hundred yeah. percent. They weren't depicted I, I, that way, but they, they were. They weren't depicted that they way. They were depicted as violent and obnoxious and they like were, the they were people worst. hurting other people's business, they, hurting yeah. other people's like lives. You know, I, I noticed that they like put a lot of attention on media to like the two or three truckers. I don't know how many there were, but the ones that didn't agree with it. And they'd be like, look at who you're, like, they're hurting them. Like, these people just want to work, and they want to, bu-. I'm like, yeah. It's an interest. I mean, I'm I, sure those people also would want people to fight for their rights. I don't know. It's just, like, a weird. Yeah. But, you know, whenever we have massive protests, like we did when the trucker convoy, you're always going to have individuals that may not even be associated with that group that just show up. So I think we should hold that individual in- That's accountable, so yep. not the entire group accountable for that one individual that's ridiculous i agree well that's what like the other side will do to discredit too they'll take one yeah of course like well that person stands with this so if you stand with that i mean you know i think it's like almost relevant to like even with hamas and all that where they're Mm -hmm. like if you stand it's it's just yeah it's a manipulation of what's going on and like watering it down to one thing when it's not one thing that's why i was feeling so mixed yeah (laughs) Yeah. i understand (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also with the distrust, like, the government could easily put one person into the group and be like, I want you to act this way. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sure that happened. That and be like, look at them, they're animals. 100%. Oh, I'm 100%. Paid actors, 100%. I, it did happen. Yes. And, like, the, the photos were it's so obvious that it was a paid actor. And I think, you know when you, <laughs> you, know when you said that, like, most Canadians have, uh, if they don't come from a background of maybe living in another country and seeing the corruption of a government. Right. They're not, they don't really know what to pick up on, but people that have gone through that and we see it and we're kind of like, we know what's happening here. Yeah, you have your eye open to that. We have our eyes open, we question everything and we're like, something's up. 100%, yeah. You know? Yeah. And some people just don't have that. Exactly, Uh, yeah. Nothing with them, it's just their experience. Because of their experiences and the life they live, yeah, and exactly. Like, nothing with them, it's just... You know, encouraging those people to, like, broaden their perspective because, yeah, like, some people, you know, you're free to think whatever you want, but I think when it turns into being like, okay, well, I think that, and anyone else that doesn't, that's where it's like, okay, you know, you're being limited by your reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think people that undergo, yeah, like, hardship, you're, you, it's hard to be limited by your reality because once your eyes open to that, you're going to see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I often think... Sometimes I often think, um, what would have it looked like if we had, instead of division, we had understanding. So maybe for someone that didn't want to get vaccinated, we can be like, okay, well, if you're not doing that, then you need to take these vitamins, you need to work out, you need to do all these things to improve your immune system, and you need to get tested if you're going to to go to a certain place to make sure that you don't have it and you don't pass it to someone else. Right. Because I know for nurses, we didn't, if you didn't want to, you had to get vaccinated and you didn't have the option of being like, can I just get tested before every shift? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Which could have given an option to an unvaccinated nurse to still work in that profession if they said, well, I'll get tested before every shift. Was it the case that if you didn't get the vaccine, you can't work? Yeah. But wouldn't it have been mm-hmm. nice to say, okay, let's have both options. You right, can, of course. You know, because if you're not vaccinated, okay, if you're a risk and a threat to other people's health then when you come to the when you come to work your shift take a test if you're negative then work 
Isn't that even that would be more safer? I think. Well, what's funny well, is that they didn't allow nurses yeah. to do that, or like people that could actually, you know, go and benefit society. But then they allowed, like, you know, you're watching TV where it's like celebrities that all met together for parties, and they're like, "Don't worry, we all tested before." It's like that's allowed, or like business. I don't know, like people were allowed to have parties or certain events if everyone was to test at these yeah. at this or. But I'm like, that's not as important as at all. So yeah, and. It, it, it's you're absolutely bar right. these people from society is interesting it, exactly and what didn't make sense to me is that we didn't um allow unvaccinated nurses and they didn't allow for that option to get tested before coming in but if you were vaccinated and you, you were positive you could pass it on yeah you were allowed to you were allowed still, to go to work what no if you're if you're vaccinated and you get COVID, you can still pass it to other people. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you're well, not getting tested, like if you get if you're tested not getting tested, oh, I thought you meant shift, that. I thought you meant that. Okay. If you get tested before every single shift, it's safer than being vaccinated. Right. Because not being oh, I get what you're saying. Because yeah. they could be positive and they'll just go in, but they're vaccinated. Yeah. That's well, how I got yeah. COVID. Wait, so <laughs> you, you guys didn't have to test? No. If you were vaccinated, you're you just, could just that come doesn't in. even make sense. Yeah. Because you could still get it vaccinated. So it's like yeah, like if if you had it, but just you, but you didn't know, and but you were vaccinated, you could come into work then, right? Is that is that was that? Oh, one hundred percent. And I could, and yeah. I was able to. And that's to, how you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you're so still, like there's still, pa- they're still pass, like you're, you're still passing it on. But oh, it's cool. You're vaccinated. Come on, right in. Yeah, that's how it was. And honestly, every <laughs> every time I got COVID, it was from a vaccinated person. Yeah. Which is just ironic because you 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 actually heard that it was the opposite. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm just that would have made more sense to me. Because yeah, then you give totally. both options. Well, yeah, that, so then everyone's happy. Yeah, that and was, there's less division. Yeah. yeah, or just have everyone test yeah. before they start. Well, yeah, that was like one of the. Or, yeah, that's what I mean. Like you could have everyone, but everyone gets a cha- like a Vaccine decision. Do you want to get vaccinated or not? Okay, great. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. let's just get tested. Everything's kind of like. Yeah. There yeah, would like be less division if you are or you aren't, so they know. And then yeah, everyone tests no matter what. I thought that's. I'm not gonna lie. I thought too. they were being tested before they walked in. That's crazy. Yeah, like they should be. But yeah, like that's one of the, one wow. of the one of the crazy. So I'm like that didn't make sense to me. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah no, that's illogical. And like <laughs> one of the, one of the things I just got to say about the whole vaccine thing and like the like the and like the nurses and then like how you can spread it or not was how you had the director of the CDC on live television saying, oh, in the initially, oh, if you get the vaccine, you, you can't, can't transmit it, and then it turns out you can like months that's, later. That's what I mean about the distrust with the government. Yeah, they said one thing and then. Mm-hmm. It, you know so how is how are you gonna i don't even know what the government can do to gain our trust because i feel like more people are distrustful of the government more than ever yeah as they should be but yeah. still like yeah it's hard to i mean i i think I, I think at this at this point for my for myself and even a bit, a bit before when i was younger just i don't think there's any way in the future i can or anyone ever should trust the government because no, there's only one true. there's only one way a body that big comes into power by doing distrustful things and killing people and eliminating competition that's how our government came that's how our government came into place and how it came into power that's mm-hmm. how america's government came into power that's how any big body of power any big institution comes to be mm-hmm. also as we've talked about like they do control us under the guise that we're free but at the end of the yeah. day when, when push comes to shove they remind us you're not like yeah. you know we pay our taxes and they support they take our money and support whoever they want do whatever they want with it even if you personally don't agree it's like you know remembering that you really can't just blindly trust them and that is why you have to be involved in politics to some extent or understand what's going on because you know you will get the wool pulled over your eyes if you don't yeah. you will yeah, I don't know be yeah doing yourself a disservice yeah 
you could be on the wrong side of something. You could, you know, hurt yourself, your people, whatever it is. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. You know, that was great conversation. I feel like I learned a lot about nursing and like what the ins and outs of a hospital and like the stressors that you went through. I was really interested to Mm -hmm. hear about a nurse's experience working during COVID and also just in general with what nurses go through because I feel they're very underappreciated and under like discussed. So first of all, thank you for what you do every day. Like that's very beneficial to society and we need more people like you with a heart like you as well. So mm-hmm. thanks for That's very sweet of you coming say. on yeah, here and yeah. telling us about that, telling our audience about that, and yeah, yeah for what you I do. I know, like, I learned a lot. Um, listening to the questions that um, me and Cameron and Sam asked you and hearing your answer, mm-hmm. um, definitely learned a lot, and I'm really happy to have you on, and I'm hoping a lot of people can learn from that as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time in the making. It's what I've this is probably the one episode that I've been anticipating the most. I'm really happy that you you decided to you, you agreed to come on and give us your insight into your career and your life and everything. I think it's very beneficial. I think it's very mm-hmm. educational and helpful for anyone that wants to learn more what it takes and what it what happens when you become a nurse. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for coming on. Seriously, it's thank been it's been really good. Thank you for having me here. I feel really privileged to be here. Oh, yeah, and for Sam, like this was something he was very passionate about doing since we've started the podcast. Hence, mm-hmm. why he's sitting here behind Mike right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, thanks again for Thank coming you. on. This was a great episode, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With that being said, thank you so much for listening. Follow, Follow us. us on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Sam for you know gracing us with your presence. Hey, okay, anytime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you guys in the next one. Yeah. Bye. See you next Bye. time. We're not good night. I don't know why I did that.